AI. Hi, my name is Heather Cycle, and I'm happy to be here. I'm an avid listener and first-time guest to this podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh man, that's that's that was like a sweet. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> yay! That was awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Heather. That that was a great intro. Um, Thank you. I like this kind of intro, Lucky. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. And that, the energy on that's great. You know, good way to get started. Um, today we're going to be jumping into AI, but from a different perspective, from the informatics side of the house. Today we have Heather and Asif, and we're going to be discussing. Asif, um, can you jump in and help me out here? <laughs> you know, uh, Heather uh, wrote a paper. And and the paper focuses on something that has a lot of AI implications in it. And the reason she's here is because I cannot have conversations about these topics because even if I do, I'll sound miserable. Like I'm not trying to use the, uh, I'm not I'm not able to use the you know right terminologies, the way that people will need to understand it and you know um, uh, take actions on it, right? So I will do a poor justice to it if I was talking about this topic just by reading that paper. So. What Heather wrote about, Heather is a subject matter expert on it. So she needs to talk about uh, the, this, this new AI implementations and the new use cases of AI um, with, with her understanding, with her expertise. So, um, so that way, maybe me and Lucky can catch up to Heather and say, like, all right, Heather, <laughs> how can we help, right? <laughs> um, Heather, again, we, thank you for being here today and, and exploring informatics and and AI. Can you just give us a little bit of background of uh, your experiences? Yes. So I'm a registered nurse for the past 17 years. I worked 16 years direct patient care in the last year focusing on informatics, um, receiving my master's degree in nursing informatics with my undergraduate as a registered nurse, nursing science. And so Nursing informatics is a combination of the science of nursing, cognitive science, computer science, and information science. So my graduate project focused on using artificial intelligence as a way to help with antimicrobial stewardship or the use of antibiotics in regards to preventing inpatient or outpatient um, healthcare concerns that would require the need for an antibiotic. So basically, artificial intelligence, if used correctly, safely, can assist providers um, and nurses in taking care of patients and providing them with the best patient outcome. Wow, that that's amazing. Uh, you know, I, I've created some data warehouses where we look at disease states, but looking at antimicrobial um, data and then using AI to, to help patients is fantastic. I, I didn't even know that, that that's even possible. So how, how, when did this start or how did this start about? Well, my master's degree worked with um, the local VA and they were focusing on using inpatient room cameras to monitor a patient's movement to help prevent from pressure injuries from occurring. And so 
that is one piece of artificial intelligence that can be used for uh, patient health care and um, prevention in regards to the need for antibiotics that would be needed for infections caused by pressure injuries. So this is what I meant by something that I cannot explain or talk about. <laughs> right. This is, you know, um, th these are multiple things coming together in order to prevent further injuries and event, you know, better uh, patient services, right? Um, I bet it has a lot to do with satisfaction, but it just probably improves a person's outcome um, far better. And using this artificial intelligence capability, I think, uh, I mean, we, we've talk, spoken about healthcare before. I think the issue was always that privacy, right? Um, but some use cases in medical system, you're just like, is privacy really that big of an obstacle in providing these type of outcome that is, I don't know if I can weigh it, but if I can weigh it, to me, it just sounds right away. It's like some things, the privacy shouldn't be a main obstacle, right? We have to be sensitive to our privacy, but not let that be the obstacle into that good outcome that we can have. Um, any thought on that, Heather? I agree. I mean, patient privacy and security is first and foremost, but with the use of artificial intelligence and nursing informatics, a nurse informatics can be a you know a digital native, someone who's familiar with using technology and help people who are digital immigrants or digital refugees, people who aren't used to using technology in a healthcare setting or in general or are forced to use it because it's been put upon them based on, you know, societal norms or recent societal health issues. We can, nursing informatics can help bridge that gap, help explain how artificial intelligence isn't something to be scared of. It just needs to be explored and understood and accepted because it's going to be implemented more and more across every industry, including healthcare. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. There, there's there's areas where, and I use your terminologies, it's fantastic, is the digital refugees, the, the user population, you, the, it comes down to, you know, there's a scary part of AI that says, hey, we're here now. We're starting to, to give you data. And, and in some cases, people are, are afraid of AI and somehow it's going to take their jobs or they're going to get replaced. Um, but at the end, you know, when it comes with AI, AI opens opportunity. And I think it's going to be opening up jobs. But that that user population, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, AI is a buzzword right now, so there, there's no real way to gauge how people are, are going to welcome AI. And so I think training the user population and, and, and mm -hmm. customizing it, making it to where it's something that's helping them, like uh, it, it's more of a, uh, an appendage or something that helps them do their mm -hmm. jobs as opposed to taking their jobs. And that's going to take some time to, to really teach people, the, the population, and change the way they see AI. But I think the 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 digital refugees at some point will have to get on board and, and really see the benefits of AI. But it's going to be a long time coming before they just jump on because it's, it's hard to change that culture. 
you know, the, 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 the culture of this is the way we do things now. I don't want to change. And they're, they're going to be scared, but there's always opportunity in AI as long as we can prove to them that there's the data that, and the output and the outcomes are something beneficial. Yeah, I think the AI Trism uh, is, a, is a top 10 list of new technology or technology that's up and coming in Gartner's list, you know, uh, trust, risk, and security. Um, this Trism, AI Trism, um, look, I, I don't know how long it will take. I don't know who's going to develop it or who's going to develop it very well that everybody trusts it and we're able to trust, uh, trust it with our security and manage the risk, you know, to the minimal level. Um, the, the, it, it, let's you know let's just talk about it from a perspective of like heather look uh, if the privacy wasn't an issue um if people in digital native uh, which is the people that are born into digital technology versus digital immigrant like myself who had to adopt to uh the technology at some point in life versus digital refugee who's who's been disrupted by technology's uh, availability, right? So so as a digital immigrant, you know, I, I I see the privacy in a different light than a digital native does. Excuse me, digital native will. And digital refugee, I cannot even fathom how they feel about privacy. But as far as a digital native goes, I know me and Lucky would talk to, you know, somebody who's half our age and say like, you know, how do you feel about privacy, you know? Um, uh, but uh, but on this question that I'm about to ask, which is that, you know, like if privacy wasn't an issue in your field, like how would you like to have this AI use case be implemented? And what are some of the steps that uh, that you would encourage um, medical professionals or anybody who's designing or developing these uh, AI technology? That's a great question. Thank you. So first and foremost, it's there to help the practitioner, provider and the patient. That's the goal is for it to provide everyone with better outcomes, better health, happier life. And so if it can be accessible and available and explained properly, proper teaching, I think, is the first step. Just getting people to ask the questions speaking about their concerns and then addressing those concerns and letting them know that this is for the good of society. Healthcare providers can be tired at the end of the day and can miss things. And so with the implementation of artificial intelligence, it's just an extra layer of safety and security, a, another level of help that could catch what maybe the tired healthcare provider who's seen 20 patients in one day is missing because they're cognitively tired. Yeah, I just want to hit on that cognitive tired part because um, I saw a cartoon the other day that says, the smarter this AI gets, less it wants to do the work. So what would an AI do if it wants to get out of work, right? Um, but the thing is, like, I get tired just by sitting in front of my laptop. I doze off because I just had lunch. I can only imagine what somebody who's taking care of patients and various levels of patients as in, you know, you're not just seeing a sick patient who's going to be bedridden, but you're also seeing a child or you're seeing an adult. You're seeing all sorts of ages and different, different types of um, uh, patient care. And 
I'm I'm not even gonna try to imagine that. That must be a world of um, like just fatigue is probably like least of the 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 things that you guys are experiencing, right? Because you probably are emotionally drained, which I'm probably not. Because you know I'm just dealing with a laptop all day long. It doesn't take that much of a emotional drain out of me. Um, so so uh, you know. I I thought of like this idea of uh, using computer vision cameras in order to provide that or augment that um, um, computer vision camera to to help the nurses on staff or the doctors that needs to come and see the patient uh, to provide them with some augmentation. Right? Um, how do you take a patient information and merge that with the computer vision to say like you know this patient that is bedridden right now that is PI susceptible, um, this is the record that they have, EHR, EMRs, right? Um, tell us a little bit more about that because I, I'm, I'm trying to put all the words of the word soup together, but you know, I think you can do a better job at that. Like, how do we take that hardware and how do we take that software and how do we take the practicality of human bodies and put those together? And, um, you know, uh, what, are, what are the steps there? Yeah, that's another great question. So with electronic health records or EMRs, electronic medical records, there's a lot of data that's collected and it's a lot to sift through and it needs to be entered in accurately and it can be very easily entered in not correctly by the users using it. So with artificial intelligence, it would be able to, in that sense, sift through what is actually entered in, but what the provider probably means. And so connecting that word diagnosis with coding diagnosis, like ICD-10 is a way that um, diagnoses are coded commonly in SNOMED as well. And so if those can be lined up or correctly linked, then the patient can be correctly taken care of based on their diagnoses. And all of this is housed in electronic health record or electronic medical record, which thanks to the High Tech Act of 2009, which is the Health Information Technology for Economic and Clinical Health Act, that has allowed hospital systems and doctor's offices to implement EHRs and EMRs, which can talk to each other. So basically that information can be housed and transmitted and shared between different health systems and the patient's record follows them electronically versus a paper file that is what is also commonly used for those uh, digital immigrants and digital refugees who aren't accepting of, you know, EMR and EHR medical record systems. Yeah, I think um, the, the computer vision piece of it um, uh, was brought up because like this, um, you know, how do, how do you treat, how do you teach, excuse me, how do you teach a system to recognize the bed sore? How do you recognize a bruise, right? Um, a lot of computer visions behind it. And and more we escalate, excuse me, let me use the right word here, more we are able to scale these AI services, it will integrate text to speech, speech to text, 
as in, you know, you're taking that EHR and you're able to tell a medical doctor that, hey, you know, from the record, this is what has been seen like last two years or three years or however long the patient has come into the system. Um, text to speech is able to speak to the doctor uh, about the conditions and then speech to text where doctor notes or the patient's information uh, pat- as patients put another information or the nurse as they're speaking these are speech to text notes transcribed and then transcribed notes are able to turn into content from context right mm-hmm. so these contexts are able to go into the EHR and then merging the EHR's uh, text and uh, t- uh, transcri- transcription text uh, you're able to come to a beautiful conclusion of like there's a checks and balance on all of these, right? Checks and balances that the doctor is not missing a note. Um, and then if if the doctor is able to challenge the EMR's decision making, which is to say like, how did you come to this decision, right? Uh, there's expl- explainable AI that will be able to say like, look, um, this is how I've diagnosed this person with this because this is what I've seen on their EHR from five years ago. Right, um, because they're more susceptible to have these for these type of uh, issues because five years ago they've been diagnosed with these type of issues. So now, if you're a doctor and you have you know um, ability to read notes, you're not really looking into like last five years of records granularly. Where AI will be able to go through it in granular step by step to say like, look, five years ago this person has been diagnosed with this condition but never been treated because nobody thought it was that serious. But what if five years down the road as a side impact to that, these are the kind of conditions that it has. So now the doctor and the AI could come to a different decisions where AI knows how to explain itself and AI's decisions can be evaluated by the doctor, how the AI came to that conclusion. Um, and both can take notes and both can, you know, um, um, make decisions that could be different. But to augment a, a, a human to decide, make a decision, I think is where AI shines the best because that's the perfect use case of artificial intelligence. Uh, and, and we are heading that way, I think, slowly but surely. Um, just don't know the timeline. But again, uh, it's happening where the humans are actually in the room taking notes as as a doctor and patient is conversating, uh, they're literally not physically in the room, but they're they're being given the access to listen in to what a doctor and patient is conversating about and taking notes on it, right? So that way, the, these humans, human note takers, are actually able to merge their note with the doctor's note. Um, it's being done manually at this point, but you can only imagine the level of healthcare that we need. We're nowhere near it, even in 2020, even with all the high technologies we have. Um, and we don't have that many people that we can trust to be in between the doctor and the nurses or doctor and the patients, right? Because patients' privacy matters. Um, so I'm just going to leave it at that because like, that's what I found out to be very exciting that once you install a computer vision in a situation like uh, where you're talking about PI, that computer, I mean, that, that uh, camera and the camera system could do wonders just off of one device as a hardware. Rest of it is all software and data entry, right? Data acquisition points. Um, just by algorithms and camera and software, we're able to do miracles that it's probably not possible uh, just 10 years ago. Yeah, it, it's interesting that um, it, the issues that I saw whenever I was working with medical data or, or uh, patient records is like you mentioned, there's, there's data that's not regulated. In some cases, you know, it's just you have values that are just 
null values or the data is just for some reason it's just it's just the wrong type of data and you have to go through and clean the data and, and so you when my i'm just curious because I, I i know that i had these problems with data science or creating data warehouses but with the ai you're telling me that the ai is able to understand uh where you have maybe fields or tables that are not necessarily the right values and the ai is able to see past that in some cases because I, I thought I, I'm still I'm, I'm from the old school where it's like the data has to be right before we can do something with it. And it's like almost garbage in, garbage out. But it's interesting you say that in some cases, AI would work with that. Or can you explain that a little bit better, how that worked or your experience with that? Sure. So I believe with the healthcare system, leaps and bounds are being made in regards to how the information and the data that is being entered into these electronic health records is being utilized and also evaluated. So it has manual entries from providers like nurses or primary care providers, surgeons, et cetera, that are written out as notes, like a free text type. You have dot phrases, which a provider can just select a phrase that best fits the condition or the note that is being documented. And then you also have the codes associated with diagnoses. So the technology now is able to sift through all those types of data entry points and collect it and evaluate it and see what is being diagnosed, what is being treated, and how to best care for that patient. It's a slow process. And yes, a lot of it does take nursing informatics and other healthcare providers to make sure that what the data is presenting is correct, but it is possible. So what did you see early on with like error rates and and training the model? How 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 did it grow or were you able to was it is it pretty substantial? Did it automatically the natural language processing did it pretty much start seeing that okay medical terms and it start associating it pretty quickly? I'm interested in how that works. So that that's uh, yeah, I have hundreds of questions now, but that's one of the first ones. I mean, how did that how did that work initially training the model? So it, you know, it's a slow process because you want to make sure that it's accurate. You want to make sure that what, like you said, garbage in, garbage out. Um, But as there are more, you know, nursing informaticists and more interest in AI and digital um, natives being entered in into this type of field, it collectively has gotten better and progressed and provided better results. Wow, that, that's going to definitely uh, improve the way we serve the veterans or just in the healthcare field. That's fantastic work. Have you found where these data points kind of marry up with maybe other areas and medical research and, and kind of start to lead to maybe other areas to support um, research? Yeah, there's definitely interest um, from the research. There's interest in making sure that moving forward, 
that healthcare is better, more accurate, reliable, and resilient. Um, so therefore, it's just a consistent effort from different collaborations and different fields, like you said, research, data scientists, nursing. It's not just one field of professionals. It's everybody working together on a common goal to make sure that patients have a better healthcare outcome, that the data that has been entered into their EMR or EHR can be utilized correctly in the future. Wow, fantastic! I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. The, the, this. Um, I think one thing I, I want to go back to is the garbage out and garbage in, right? Um, so in the garbage out, if you have garbage in, um, the decision making that happens in garbage out is it could be misleading because the information that was put in. Um, so I think I talk about it in every podcast about human in the loop, right? So how do we augment the doctors rather than replacing the doctors is what we have to think about mindset-wise, right? Um, the mindset is that how do we incorporate this AI into the life of a nurse? How does a nurse experience it, right? How does a doctor experience it? If we are able to increase the user experience without really having the users question like why this technology fails me every time <laughs> would be a great use case for machine learning. And I think... Um, one of the things that I've always looked into, like said, you know, how do we look at these big cases, big use cases, and also start using the small use cases, right? Um, in healthcare, I love that idea of scheduling, right? You schedule a patient and that patient most likely doesn't miss a day, right? Because what happens is that I'll give you my, myself as an example. I'm a veteran myself. I've been to the VA hospitals and Forgive me, VA, for I've done sin where I've missed my appointments. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I've done it in like a last minute because I totally forgot about it, right? And and the reason is that like, and I go to VA so often to stumble on few of them. I, I think I find it natural, but at the same time, it costs VA a whole lot of time and effort to make up for that missed appointment. And when VA misses an appointment, okay, that's a government tax write-off, right? Um, but when on the commercial side, somebody misses an appointment, that doctor does not get paid for that hour of um, a, a patient that he didn't, he or she did not see, right? So if, for me to not be in our commercial side and missing my appointments, uh, it's, it's a bigger deal. But all in all, any missed appointment is a big deal. Um, and having that AI machine learning incorporated into the scheduling, which you know, brace yourself, right? It's like taking my privacy, right? Understanding who I am as a person and building a medical note about it, right? So let's say, for example, how do you incorporate my medical history and my job, right? What kind of work do I do? So if I'm a trucker and I'm out of state most of the time, should you be, you know, scheduling me in certain time of the year, right? As in certain time of the month, certain time of the week, because I'm a trucker, I'm in and out of state. I'm an IT guy. I stay at home. Should you do the teledoc with me, right? So all these preferences and personal information matching with the healthcare that I need, what sort of amazing technology are we looking at, right? It's an AI machine learning base that is not tailored to a population, but rather individually. So, you know, somebody who lives in my zip code, 
you know, I don't have to look at it from a zip code base. Like everybody in the zip code is IT. No, everybody in the zip code has multiple different types of jobs, right? Somebody's a trucker. Somebody's always out of state. Somebody's always out of the zip code. So for them to come in, they have to be adjusted to certain scheduling. So um, what happens with me and the reason I send so often about missing my appointment is that they will ask me like, hey, what time do you want to come in? Or what day do you want to come in? And they will tell me a day that is like two months out, right? Because it's VA, there's a lag, right? And I'll say, yeah, I'm available usually on Wednesday, so schedule me at 3 o'clock. Just a scenario. But that doesn't necessarily mean all the Wednesdays are the same for me, right? Um, so so I think there's a whole lot of things that we can do in a big use case and a small use case, which is that everywhere there's data, we can engage with AI machine learning in some ways. Um, but some of the small use cases of like you know reducing that um, missed appointment to me is like the most attractive version of it because it's minimal amount of risk to engage in those kind of research to understand the patient so that way you can provide the patient with a better appointment timing um, and, and and quality like you know access to that ability to say like you know uh, I'm going to send you a text and you're going to be able to dynamically figure out like what time of the day you want to come in. And just by asking a few questions and giving me the few answers, uh, we're able to schedule you for the rest of the year. However, you know, uh, fits for your schedule and time after time, we check in with you and say, you know, like which VA is doing already. VA sends me a text. Hey, are you coming or not? But still, I missed that appointment because like that day <laughs> just wasn't ready for me you know <laughs> bring too much excitement to the day um so so i think that appointment scheduling and all the way to that big use case of like how do i um, um you know diagnose you with some disease that might take you know um prolonged amount of treatment so like whatever the sensitivity case is if we can start from the bottom and work our way up or start from the top and then work our way down um there's there's just a whole lot of good use cases out there uh, but we need lots of informed informatics like you know uh heather to be able to engage on these because uh, yeah. there's so many little ins and outs that we don't know about right you know um so so heather um i just want to say thank you <laughs> because like you know uh, we are we are only in your presence when we are the most vulnerable so like you know um i always want to mention the to a nurse because like i don't see a nurse unless i'm feeling vulnerable Right. Uh, and you guys take care of us and you are that human in the loop that we must, must take care of and augment you with as much technology as possible without invading your privacy, without making your life more chaotic. Um, something that gives you a user experience more than a machine learning, because when we talk about machine learning, we approach it in different ways. But when we start calling it a user experience, it changes the whole concept. It changes the whole perspective. So like we are providing a user experience. We have to think about how does a user perceive this, right? Um, I'm not going to go into the digital refugee con content, but I think Heather might be able to hit on some of the stories about how user experience can go wrong and turn user completely off into technology and never, never go back, right? Um, but that user experience, I think, is the is the one that I concern myself with. So instead of calling it all machine learning and AI, this is all about user experience. How do we improve, increase, scale, and sustain that user experience um, uh, for better, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I just was wanted just to jump say... in. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go right ahead. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you, but I was just going to say that the user experience is key. It's 
what will allow people to feel comfortable with the technology. If you have a bad first impression, you're not going to be likely to try it again, no matter who's trying to introduce it to you. And so, yes, it needs to be tailored to the individual. The individual needs to be comfortable with it. And that's what, you know, nursing informatics is here for to help those who aren't comfortable with it, or even those who are just understand it better and see how best it can be utilized. Yeah, I just was thinking about um, my daughter, she started in nursing, or at least um, the track college about four and a half years ago. And if, and if we just look back, what nursing informatics was four years ago, and then what it is today, with the developments of machine learning. And, and the thing is, nurses had statistical data back, you know, previous, you know, I say back early 2000s, data warehousing, analytical data started becoming more of a trend. And then uh, more of healthcare uh, hospitals started looking into what can we benefit from, from statistical data. But now what I'm noticing is it's like the differences are where before you could put together some kind of uh, either forecasting model for analyzing data, but it wasn't really, it, it was more just of a report. And, and it was more of something that was static. And, and what I'm looking at now, the difference is now between the statistics and what machine learning is providing now is there's it's almost now like the the statistics now have become more alive now. And now you can it. it the, what do you see the differences? Because I it's hard for me. I, I can see some models where I can develop a statistical model that will do something similar to machine learning and it'll do some kind of forecasting. But now the models are a little bit more developed. What, what advantages do you see from what we had in the past and what we have now? A lot modeling. of good. Yeah, there's a lot of um, positive from where we were to where we are now. A lot of it has to do with the acceptance of the use of this technology and being able to get the individuals who are using it to, like we discussed, use it correctly. So therefore, the more accurate the technology is used, the more it's used, the better results you get. Yeah, it just seems like the, you need to have special users or something because it, it, I just, it, it, the, the refugees, the old school nurses, you know, the guys that just come up and just they're used to, I'm not sure exactly what they're used to doing, but you know, they take your blood, they look at you and you say, all right, you've got a cold, you know, the nurses. And then you have the nurses that are coming in new from school, like my daughter, and they're like geared up with information and they're talking about, you know, how to do this or how to do that. You know, I'm sure they're excited, but I know there is, there is a, like there is in any field, you know, there's the guys that don't want technology and there's the guys that are just chomping at the bit to figure out how to innovate, how they do their jobs. You know, and so there's got to be the ones that are just really not excited about AI either. <laughs> oh, there's definitely those. And those are the nurses I've worked with that retired um, as soon as they could once electronic health records were implemented. And it's sad because they have all this experience and knowledge that they can pass along to younger nurses. And that's the issue with, you know, the nursing profession and why I hope nursing informatics can 
possibly learn how to harness what experienced nurses have to offer, what their knowledge is, how they, you know, perform, because they're the ones that know what to do the best. And so just even getting those experienced nurses to work a little bit longer and use the technology and it's a learning experience for everyone. You know, the younger nurses can learn how to teach the technology to individuals who aren't comfortable with it. And then the older and more experienced nurses can, you know, give feedback as to what they don't like about the technology instead of just retiring at the, you know, mention of having to use a computer. Yeah, I think you're you're you, you know that 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 uh, succession, right? Uh, succession is 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 a is a huge issue because the age gap in uh, workforce, um, you know, we're talking about it, it. It's very visible now, right? Because a lot of the people that wants to retire from workforce are forced to stay at workforce because somehow their retirement is not working out to the point that they thought earlier in their career it would work out. And then the younger generation that wants to excel in the same positions are being forced to stay in a junior level positions or just find another junior level position. So they're in a junior level position for a very long time. Um, the succession, uh, the, the progress that used to happen or should happen is is kind of you know hindered right now. So what you're pointing out is that like the opposite of it. It's like, you know, there are older nurses that are retiring versus there's new nurses that are coming in informed with data, informed with technology, yet not so much with experience, right? Um, so how do you how do you maintain that balance of the shift in you know that 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 um, succession? So knowledge management to me, uh, I think, is the is the long term vision behind everything we just discussed for a use case. Anything you teach in AI, every year goes by. It's like teaching a child how to be a how to be an adult, right? Um, for AI to live like for ten years means you know that AI has ten years worth of experience. It wouldn't behave like a child most likely, but that's an analogy, right? Uh, but a ten-year-old AI is far better than a one-year-old AI. There's no doubt about that, and that's where we are in in a lot of the national security purposes or. Corporal, uh, corporate um, industry purposes, um, wherever you look at it, wherever you develop your AI, it matters how old that AI is. And one of my favorite examples is in the banking industry, right? Some of the banks that has been around for hundreds of years are nowhere near as good as BlackRock hedge fund, right? Um, excuse me, not the banking, but the finance industry. Finance industry, you see BlackRock, they out bid everybody they 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 are like 11 trillion dollars in assets right now because they're known for their ai that helps them with hedge fund for their financial transactions right um so it matters what sort of ai you're raising and how long you've had that ai is another topic and before you talk about like tesla amazon and so on and so forth i'm worried about who it is today starting an ai that will be, that will be the biggest ai or the biggest company that we haven't even seen yet Right, ten years from now, there will be another company that outbids everybody with their AI performing to a level that we cannot even fathom right now. Right, um, but without without going into that competition of who's going to develop that best AI, awesome AI, outperforming AI uh, of a different level like Tesla's um, knowledge management 
is something that we should, as like as I said, 10 years from now, knowledge management for next 50 years. How do we start that knowledge management today? Right? Because I can use business use case. I can use that uh, business uh, justification to say, like, why should you invest in AI today even though it won't make you money today? But if you want to talk about where you will be in 10 years, we can talk about business justification monetarily. And then we can start talking about 50 years from now, how would you use that knowledge management piece that you started today that can be from your scheduling, that can be from your radiology department to detect your x-rays or your you know, um, uh, uh, use cases of detecting cancers or whatever the AI that you want to build today, you can put a knowledge management piece behind it. So no matter who comes and goes within your organization, that knowledge is always being baked into your business process continuously. I, 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 I cannot emphasize that enough. Like that is a key to AI development because that's the kind of far vision you want to have is that ability to say like, no matter who comes and goes in this organization or industry or agency in a government, we are always able to maintain those knowledge for ourselves for better usage down the road to train people with, to, to provide this inf- historical information, uh, historical data with relevancy, finding the context not just you know saying, uh, tell me what happened in day 1980, right? Uh, well, in the future, it'd be like, tell me the day in 1922, what was Asif talking about? What's the context behind it? Because you can hear me talk, but you would not have any understanding what I'm saying uh, because there's no context in what I'm saying, right? Um, so so th- these are kind of things that we have to think about for knowledge management. So when you say all the nurses are leaving and taking all their knowledge with them, my goodness, that is a huge loss for the new nurses that are coming in and not being able to keep up with that knowledge. So knowledge management, yeah, check that out. <laughs> we have a great use case that we've seen here recently um, with with nursing and COVID that we all had to suffer through recently. You know, it was uh, nurses were just at their wits end working crazy hours trying to support us through this you know we had covid and 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 the pandemic and then you had this great resignation and the the use case was you had all these people that were part of a specific field that were stressed and then they all retired with their knowledge and and now that same area is now suffering you know And, and then how do we augment that you know and it just feels like ai is just coming in just in the nick of time not at the right moment but at least we know look this happened the last time it's it, it, we're still bleeding for it this we still have an open wound and it's still bleeding somewhat we all see what happened now let's prepare for it and ai is just set up it's primed for this type of situation now you know at some point it's going to be intimidating though as a nurse think about this we're going to have alexa now that can now be that voice where in some cases you know the man, the, the, I guess the human in the loop, the person that would be interacting with the patient now, um, in some cases, they're going to think a direction and they'll have Alexa in their back pocket or in their ear saying, oh, I'm sorry, it should be this way. I mean, it's great, but at the same time, it's almost scary that we're going to have, we're going to get to that point. Do you, do you see that being here in the near future? Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of clinical decision support systems and tools that are implemented to help providers with medications associated with diagnoses. 
And so it's already happening almost. The experienced provider or nurse always has the final say, obviously, because they have that background, but it's already here. It's already implemented in the fact that, you know, it is suggesting that maybe what you're thinking to do isn't the best course based on all of this clinical knowledge that I've pulled from a database. I being, you know, a Surrey or Alexa or Google or whatever the healthcare specific version is going to be. That's wild because, okay, so you do you follow your gut or do you say, all right, Alexa, medical yeah. Alexa, nursing Alexa, uh, nursing Siri, whatever the voice is, you're <laughs> right and I'm wrong. Or no, you're not right. I know what I'm doing. You're wrong. You know, <laughs> when, when does it, uh, I, I can totally see that. That's going to be interesting. You know, where, where do the error rates start to kind of, you know, where, where do we have to optimize? I think it's funny. I love data. And so um, to me, it's just another opportunity just to have another joke. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they don't deserve that. They don't need um, penicillin, you know, and, and for some reason they get something else. I don't know. I, you know, analyzing diseases and analyzing people is always going to be, it's going to, I'm a human. I'm going to make mistakes. We try to self-analyze, but in the future, I can totally see how this is definitely going to help us all. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I think yes. you have right place at the right time, right? We are, yeah. we are in, in a cusp of where we are able to push our feedbacks and our our survey information or our ability to intervene in designing of an AI. So that way that AI behaves as in it's augmenting us, right? Um, so, so, you know, before that Siri runs her mouth, <laughs> excuse my language there, but like point is Siri should not be talking while I'm talking. Siri should be like saying, you know, Hey Siri, do you have any inputs to this? And Siri will say, I have three or four things I can add to the value of what you're providing. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so, so I'm here for adding value. I'm here to augment you. Um, we can design those AI, right? Those are the, see that so the AI will only do as much as we instruct it by a coding and programming language, right? It has this, it has this, um, a boundaries that it can cross if you let it, right? You still have to let it. And that's where the boundary begins all over again, right? Um, now you can say like, Siri, look, you're augmenting me. You're not interrupting me, right? Um, so I think that's the human in the loop concept that we need to have today. Like as in the far vision of having knowledge management for the next 50 years or trying to be the best healthcare provider for the next 10 years, they all come with the single decisions of like, who will you want to be in that room? If it's a bunch of guys, and I don't want to, derogatory about anybody here but at the same time if my intention in life is to make millions by having an ai that outbids all the healthcare providers in the world i will create an ai that doesn't care about those kind of things right whereas in if i had the intentions of like you know i'm going to provide the best healthcare with the best human uh, uh capabilities I, I will come to a different conclusion i will i will augment a person uh, with the with those with those AI that you know is helpful rather than to say like yo, put me in a bad bad situation right there, Siri. Oh. You know, you make me look bad in front of the patients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is amazing. My mind is just I I I, I see so much opportunity here because I this hits close to home for me. Um, having you here on the podcast, um, 
you know, I, I've done, like I said, I've done a few things with data. I've created, uh, I've taken data and I've created uh, disease states and pharmacy data warehouses. And in the disease states, we were looking at um, like myocardial infarctions. That was one of the things I focused in on MIs. And so it, I, the, the, this is where I see the line. The, but whenever I created a, a, a data warehouse or a, a data cube or report, the data was always isolated to the person that was looking at it. So it was typically some kind of reports person or analyst or pharmacist or someone that was a, a researcher or the OIG, Office Inspector General. They would, use, they would use my data warehouse to analyze disease states or pharmacy costs or you know, what prescriptions are being analyzed or, or, or prescribed the most. But this is where I see AI changing, where in the past it was just isolated to that person pulling that report or that person that had a concern where AI at some point can be used to, and this is where the privacy concerns me, it's tough, but you have AI that pulls enough of your information that know that you have di you're diabetic, you've already had two myocardial infarctions. Um, today, when you wake up, you have to have orange juice. And after your orange juice, make sure that you drink two glasses of water and take your medicine. You know, where AI starts to communicate out to the person, you know, as opposed to a health provider, just say, hey, you know what, today, this is your scheduled, this is how you stay healthy today, according to your health records. And AI at some point will reach out to that person. Privacy is scary on that part, but I think that's definitely a possibility. I, I, that's just fantastic. I, because I've been part of it, I can see how much it can grow. What, what do you think about that, Heather? AI reaching oh, out to people and saying, hey, look, today, Take your medicine. Don't be a bad boy. No, no, no greasy chicken. This is what you should eat for dinner. Yeah, no, I, I'm a hundred percent behind AI helping people live I a can, better life. I think we lost her. Uh, she's, she's talking here. I can hear her. Oh, okay. Let's say she's offline. Heather, uh, somehow it says you're offline. Are you offline? Not that I'm aware of. I can hear you guys. Okay, you can uh, start it again. But lucky, look uh, where she is. It's it's uh, it's recording on her local system. So even if she's offline, I think we'll be fine. Okay, uh, because it's recording on her computer. Then when we turn the uh, recording off, it will um, it will it merge will the video, our, video yeah, session. Yeah. Yeah. Videos, yeah, yeah. So Heather, if you don't mind, um, you know, if you can start that part about. Um, where you are, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, no, I, I think 100% that artificial intelligence or a program to help individuals remember to take their medicine, to eat properly is beneficial in the future. Um, I see it now with the older population. They need all the help they can get and they don't necessarily want to go into an assisted living home. So if they're accepting of artificial intelligence or something that will help them in their home so they can stay at their house and properly care for themselves, remind them to eat and drink and take their medicines, then yeah, that would be absolutely wonderful. And I do hope that that's our future. Well, we all agree then. <laughs> we all agree. We are in agreement because, um, I think the the advocate, advocating for a a technology, um, it it comes with some negative negative parts of it. It's just no way of avoiding it. It's just 
the way that nature works, right? Um, you know, I can talk about hardware that is required to build this AI technology, AI services, AI performance, right? They all require hardware, and this hardware is coming from somewhere underground, right? It's not just showing up in your doorstep because the air was blowing in the right direction. Um, it's all coming from underground. So that supply chain planning that happens all the way from hardware, all the way to your home device that you see and the utilization of this AI performance, um, it, it, if it does more, than, more good than damage, sure. I think healthcare is one of the sectors where we have to really advance in AI because majority of our population is heading towards their retirement age. We have a higher number of you know, people that are about to retire than people that will be actually available for workforce, right? Um, and, and our taxes will go down because of that. Our ability to reproduce more um, next generation of worker will go down because we're actually under num- uh, we're underperforming in the birth rate um, for, for the developed world, right? Um, I think the number is 2.2 where we're supposed to be at. We're actually 1.67. Right. So these kind of thought process, when we start thinking about supply chain planning, the birth rate, people that are retiring, we have to figure out how do we augment the workforce that is already shrunk and is going to shrink tremendously. Um, Do we want to participate in a. AI conversations because now we realize like privacy didn't really matter because somebody already stole our data anyway because we thought about privacy more than we thought. Now, I'm, I'm a privacy advocate. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you yeah, have right. that right balance and strike it not because, you know, it, it, it's perfect because you have to work at it, right? Um, don't let the perfect be your enemy in getting innovation done, right? Um, and I, I'm, I'm advocating for both. I'm advocating for that privacy and technology. And I'm saying that perfect is not what we have today, but we can increase that performance, the most accurate AI with least amount of error with lower amount of risk, right? Um, so the, so the, all the trism is baked into it. We are developing trust because we provide user experience. We have lower risk. And we put security in order to save the privacy, right? So that AI that you know feeds into the patient's uh, system and say have orange juice and two water, that AI doesn't necessarily have to know all the EHR records. EHR just have to put out that output for that day, and through an API sends that information to the device, and the devices say like, yeah, today's recommendation is orange and two waters. Have at it, right? And don't have that greasy chicken at the end of the lunch, right? Yeah. Um, so all these technologies that we have, uh, I think we have so much to think about, but the perfect is not what we're going to get the first time. And that's why we have to be very conscious of user experience, very conscious of how we develop the trust with security and continue building, right? Continue to scale, continue to sustain that technology because um, one-time hit is not something AI will be ever, <laughs> Right. Like there's a lot of software that somebody built and it worked great for five years and it just disappeared. Like, no, you have to develop an AI that is able to sustain itself for generation after generation. Um, and you have to build trust in that AI over time. So I would say, ay, 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 that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lucky, any departing words? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just making sure I don't overlap because I'm not able to see Heather's mic or her video anymore. So no, no. Heather, 
Um, I'm not able to see, but for the most part, thank you for being part of this podcast today and letting everyone know more about informatics. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much for having me. And a special thanks to my VA mentors, Danielle Ciari and Amora Upton. Couldn't be the amazing nurse informaticist I am now without their amazing nurse informaticist help because they are superstars. And AI, AI, AI. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that great introduction and great outroad because. Uh, we are looking forward to having more of these discussions and hopefully you'll come back. Um, with that, thank you everybody. Adios.